here's the thing. On the very first Easter, they didn't have that. On the very first Easter, it wasn't filled with praise and with singing. They were actually locked in a house, and they were shaking in place. That They were scared to go outside because they feared just by going outside of their doors that their life might be demanded of them. Sound like today? We kind of have that over the course of the last year as we've been dealing with the pandemic and COVID and everything else. There's a lot of fear that has went into all of that. And we've been told that we need to shelter in place and we need to, we need to hunker down and we need to, to, to stop the spread. And all of that is very, very true. But in all of those things, it has led to a lot of fear. It's led to a lot of anxiety, a lot of despair, a lot of discouragement. And when we think back to that very first Easter, I couldn't imagine what those disciples must have been thinking, filled with absolute fear. The women had went to the, to the tomb, and they were going in, and, and they, were, they were taking their spices to go in and to prepare the body. And, and when they get there, the tomb's empty, and they come running back, and they tell the disciples. But, and then John and Peter, they run away, and, and they go check it out. And sure enough, the tomb is empty. But could it be real? Could Jesus really be alive? But if they left their homes to really go check it out, if they left their homes to go check out everything that was going on, they put their own lives and their loved ones at risk. Did a miracle really happen? Did Jesus really rise from the dead? Could this terror really be coming to an end? Huddled in this house, the disciples uh, dared to believe that hope may be possible, that God's love and peace was more powerful than the, the anxiety that they were feeling and the, the fear, that they, were fear that, that they were feeling, but could it be real? Now, somebody spoiled it in the, the first service. We'll, we'll see if anybody knows it in, in this service. What is the, the most frequent exhortation in the scriptures? Anybody know? Yeah, that's right. You guys are good. You guys are good because, you know, I, I've used that before and people are like, they just sit there and blankly stare at me. It could be that I'm just not doing a good job. But, um, you know, above love one another, above love God, fear not. That, that is the, the exhortation is used throughout all of Scripture. And, and it's used approximately 365 times. Fear not. Do not fear that tells us that if there's about 365 days, if we look at all of them, every day we should be living without fear in our lives. Do not be afraid. And, and do you know the phrase that usually follows that very phrase? For I'm with you. There's nothing greater than knowing, fear not, do not be afraid, for I am with you. You see, Easter matters because it changed everything. Without the resurrection of Jesus, we'd still be stuck in our past sins. We would be powerless over our present problems. We'd be filled with fear about the future. But everything changed because Jesus walked out of that grave. We're going to turn to John chapter 20. If you have your Bibles, turn there. It's going to be on the screens uh, behind me. But in John chapter 20, verses 19 through 20, we're really going to dig in to see what happened 
after the resurrection and what takes place here. This is what we read. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear for the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now I want you to take note that Jesus actually says to them, Peace be with you twice. And that's very important because the first time he's going to walk through two locked doors and they're hiding inside. They think that they're alone. They're scared to death. Luke actually tells us that they think it's a ghost. They're scared to death. I don't know about you, but I needed to, I I would have needed to have heard those words. Peace be with you. You sure? Because I'm, I'm scared to death right now. And then he has to say it again to them. Uh, again. So here's, the, here, here's, here's the, what I really want you to take from this. One of the results of the resurrection is that we no longer have to live in fear. And, and if we were to take the message and boil it down into one phrase, it would be this. When in dread, remember Jesus rose from the dead. He will be with you. He will be near to you in all of your fears. So we're going to discover four ways to have Jesus come near when we're filled with fear. The first one is that we need to embrace his peace. He offers his peace to us. We have to be willing to accept that. Look again at verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked were where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. The disciples were afraid. Their leader had been crucified and they were scared to death that they might be next. Generally, if your leader is, has been killed, the authorities would go around and they would round up all of those that were like you, like their leader, and they would put them to death as well. On top of that, the body of Jesus is missing. The tomb's empty. Well, it wasn't the Romans because the Romans were sent there to protect the body, right? And, and they put the seal on it, and they were told never to leave it. Now, here's the thing. If the tomb was really still there, and, and it was just, a, a, they, they went to the wrong tomb, the Romans would have went, hey, hey, we're over here. Just, we, we, we still have his body, it's right here. Well, the Jews didn't take it. If the Jews would have taken it, if the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, if they would have taken the body of Jesus, they would have produced the body as well. Because they're the ones that wanted to put Jesus to death. If anything, they would have said, here, we've put him on display. He's dead. But the tomb is empty. So that only leaves one group of people, right? It had to be the disciples. So not only were they were scared because they could be put to death, but now... Maybe they're the ones that took the body, uh, all of the people around them are thinking. So that put them in the crosshairs of the Jews and the Romans as well. And so they barricaded themselves in a room. The, the word fear here in the Greek is phobos. It, it has the idea of alarmed, frightened, and in terror. It's where we get phobia from. Maybe they were planning to uh, escape. It was a flight 
and, and they wanted out of Jerusalem. Hundreds of thousands, maybe over a million people that are in the Jerusalem area right now, and they're scared to death, and they're trying to find a way maybe to run away, to get out of Jerusalem. And as we've been going through this last year and the pandemic and the COVID crisis, fear and, and, and anxiety are at an all-time high. Anxiety, fear, depression, it's all rising around us. Panic attacks, all-time high. They've actually come up with one thing that, that is called pandemic dreams. And, and they describe vivid, weird, and horrifying dreams. One lady actually dreamed that she ordered an Uber and a hearse showed up to pick her up. Now, two weeks ago, or I'm sorry, just this last week, um, I had a dream. And it was early in the morning, and um, I, I scared Teresa to death. Um, because for whatever reason in my dream, I don't know if it was a pandemic dream or not, but I'm sharing it with you anyways because it was just really weird. She was trying to pick up this huge lizard and I just yelled out, put on gloves. <laughs> and yeah, it, just like I scared Renee, um, it scared Teresa and woke her up. Um, literally out of her sleep, she goes, what? <laughs> I don't know where it came from. Why am I dreaming about Teresa picking up a lizard? Like that's not something that she would ever do, but that's what was going through my mind. And in the midst of all of these disciples' anxieties, Jesus suddenly stood among them and he said, Peace be with you. Somehow in his resurrected body, Jesus comes through a double set of locked doors. Probably the outer gate he had to get through, and then the innermost door he had to get through as well. Luke 24, 37 tells us that not only they were afraid of the authorities, but they were also startled and frightened when Jesus appeared to them. But I love this. Jesus, instead of blasting them, Jesus, instead of just putting them to the wall, and I can't believe that you would do this, and you bailed on me, and, and you walked away. Everybody except for John stayed there. Peter, you denied me. I can't believe that you would do this. He says, peace. Peace be with you. It reminds me of what we read in Psalm 103, verse 10. It says, he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. And the greeting that he gives when he says, peace be with you, it wasn't like, hey, what's up, guys? It's the word shalom. And this word for shalom, it's the Jew, in the Jewish culture, it was a state of wholeness, of harmony. It was intended to resonate in all relationships. When used as a greeting, shalom is a wish of outward freedom from disturbance as well as an inward sense of well-being. To a people constantly harassed by their enemies, peace was the premier blessing. In, in Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26, God gave Moses these words to use when blessing his people. He said this, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Now when we read about peace in, in the New Testament, there's at least three spheres of peace. Now I want to tell you, when I wrote these words earlier this week, um, I really thought, you know what, a lot of us need peace in our lives, right? I mean, who doesn't need peace in their life? 
But in just the last 24 hours, I've needed the peace of God more than ever to get me through. And when I look, I believe there's three spheres of of peace that, that are used here. The first one is that peace with God. This is the vertical dimension of of us to God and God to us, where we have his peace. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We were an enemy of God, but because of Jesus Christ, we have been justified and we can stand before him. This word can also mean to be set at one again. Reset. I mean, I don't know about you, but there's times where I just need to reset, where I just need to say, hey, let's reset the day. Let's just start all over again. And and this here, God has given us a reset because of his son, Jesus Christ. We also have peace of God. Now, this is the peace that we need internally. And, And I'm here to tell you, over the last 24 hours, I've needed God's peace internally to work with me. Uh, This scripture that I'm about to share from Philippians chapter 4 is is one that really just, um, I've used it a lot during the course of this last year, uh, and and it's something that we constantly need. Paul says this, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, boy, do we ever need that. Because we try to understand it and we're like, I don't get it. It's like me trying to help my son with his math or science. I'm like, I don't get it. Same thing when it comes to the peace of God. Because, wow, I don't understand it because I don't know if I could have peace and I could reconcile and I could go to the cross for the way that people are acting today. But I'm glad that it wasn't me that made those decisions. I'm glad we have a a, a God that we have Jesus who chose the cross in spite of my wretchedness. And he will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So we have the peace with God. We have the peace of God. And because of both of those, we have this third one, and that's the peace with others. This is the horizontal. This is going from one another When we have peace with God and we experience the peace of God, then we can extend peace to those around us. Matthew chapter 5 verse 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And I love this because Jesus doesn't say that we should be peacekeepers. A lot of us try to keep the peace, right? We do that in our families. We try to just keep the peace. We just need to do that. I mean, how many of you have been outside of peace within your own family within the last week, within the car ride here this morning. Yeah, we, we need this more than ever right now, but he doesn't call us to be peacekeepers. He says, I want you to be peacemakers. The, the translation could also be peace workers. We need to work for it. Jesus offers you peace today, but it's different than the peace that the world offers. You see, the peace the world offers says, well, it's the absence of something. So if I take this away from my life, then I'll have peace. So if I were to take out the political mess that we're in right now, then I would have peace. 
If I take out the things around me, then I would have peace. If I could just take Alabama football, I know. If I could take, it used to be Michigan, but I'm not worried about Michigan anymore, okay? Like, listen, COVID beat Ohio State before Michigan did, and Jim Harbaugh did, okay? Like, yeah, Oral Roberts beat Ohio State before Michigan could, okay? Like, that's all I'm going to say. What doesn't bring me peace is real talk. Um, like, and I joke about that, but you know, th- there's so many things that we go, if I could just have the absence of this, if I could take this out of my life, then I could have peace. But that's not what Jesus says at all. Even in the midst of our mess, even in the midst of all of the pain and the suffering, we can still have peace because this is what we read. John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus says this. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. We're not going to be pulled out of it. Things aren't going to be taken out of our lives. We're going to have to deal with a lot. However, I love this. Don't just, he says, in this life you will have tribulation. We got to keep reading because what does Jesus say? He says, but take heart. For I have overcome the world. Take heart because I have already conquered it. Don't miss this connection. Peace comes from the presence of the Prince of Peace. And that's what we have to hold on to. The peace extends in all three of these dimensions. Do you want this peace in your life? Then you have to have the Prince of Peace in your life. Don't lock your life and your heart behind some metaphorical wall. Allow God to break it down today. When in dread, remember Jesus rose from the dead. Number two, examine his proof. Examine the proof that Jesus offers to us. Go back and look at verse 20. We read there, after we've embraced his peace, he says, When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. The the word showed means that he presented them. He said, look, touch, see it all. Jesus showed them his hands. He showed them the scars from the nails where the, the spear sliced into his side. They heard from Mary and the women. They listened to Peter. They listened to John. They listened to the two guys on the road to Emmaus, but they could now examine the proof for themselves. And, and, and later on, John is going to write this. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, this is what John says. He says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked on and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaim to you the eternal life. Think about the senses that were involved in this. First, they heard the words of Jesus. Peace. Then they were able to see the scars. And then they were able 
to touch. There's nothing greater than all of that. We need to examine the proof. If you want to forsake your fears, then examine the proof that is written directly in front of us in the scriptures. Listen, Christianity isn't some system of of regulation and rules. Christianity isn't some fairy tale. Christianity is about a relationship with the living Lord Jesus. And when it says here that the disciples were glad, one translation actually says that they were overjoyed. They were elated. They couldn't hold it in. This is actually a fulfillment of what was said that Jesus said before he died. Just before he says, you know, for I have overcome the world, go back to chapter 16, verse 22. It says this, So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take joy from you. You see, since Jesus is alive, you and I can have joy that is completely, that will never be jettisoned, that will always be there for us. We can be like the people described in Isaiah chapter 25, verse 9. It says, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Jesus not only gives us proof, he gives us peace, he calls us to his purposes, and we see that, that we need to engage in his purpose. Recognize his followers are are still, still fearful. He says peace, he shows them, but there's still a little bit of fear in their life, in, in their lives. So he says in verse 21, he says this, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. His peace is given so that they will engage in his purposes. And it's not just for them. He has called us to be engaged as well. He saves us in order to send us. That This word sent actually means to be dispatched. He says, I am sending you forth, I am dispatching you, I am putting you out there. In Luke chapter 24, verses 47 through 48, we read this. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Beginning at Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. The disciples are given a message that can't be kept locked in a room. It can't be kept inside of this building. It is up to us to be on the mission field. And our mission field is just outside of those doors. It's not going to a third world country. Maybe he's calling you to that. And that's great. But you can start right next door. And that's what we have to hold on to. We have to get out there. We have to share the word with everyone. Again, in John chapter 17, verse 18, we read, As you sent me into the world, this is Jesus. He's talking to God. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And that brings us to our last point here this morning. We need to embody his presence. We need to embody his presence. Are you feeling overwhelmed? I am. This week, it was an awesome week. Holy Week has been awesome. 
Last year we did, uh, and it was in the middle of the, the pandemic, so we were online only, but we did, um, you know, we did the Good Friday service, and I said, you know what, we really need to hone in and really focus in on this Holy Week. And so we started with Palm Sunday of Jesus coming into Jerusalem. We had devotions for each day, and, and you know, our Thursday night, I said, Lord, okay, um, numbers haven't been great coming back to church. I'm asking you for our last Sunday upper service, will, will you give me 30 people? And he says, how about if I double it? And, and we had 55 in the sanctuary, and then with the children, we were over 60 people. He says, I'm the one that's in control. Remember that. And, and Friday night was awesome. And, and I'm telling you what, um, if you were not here, if you weren't a part of it, uh, wow, it, it's on Facebook and you need to go watch it, especially the very last song. We sang a, a new song called Ain't No Grave. Woo! It was, wow. Like we broke out into a country church. We, we, were, we were going. It was awesome. I, I loved it. But I want to tell you, I felt overwhelmed that entire week. Putting it all together, seeing it all come together, watching everything come together, it was awesome. Overwhelmed though, trying to put it together. And you've heard me talk about having this peace in my life over the last 24 hours. I'll share with you that uh, it, it's been really hard because our, our daughter, our oldest daughter, Maddie, uh, she decided that it was time for her and Lizzie, our granddaughter, to move out on their own. And so they're moving back to Culpeper. And it's been a really hard last 24 hours. And God's peace has carried me through it, and he's brought me through this messages because I'm telling you, <laughs> I've been a wreck over the last 24 hours. I've been overwhelmed. But he has been with me every step of the way. And those are the next words that we read in, in John chapter 20, verse 22. That's why these are so important. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus not only commissions us, but he also gives us the Holy Spirit as our companion to be our comforter, to be our strength, to be our power, and we need to use it. And, and I love what happens when this happens. We're set free, and we're called to mission. How in the world did these cowering 11 guys in this room locked room go from scared to death hiding away afraid they're gonna die to when we get to acts chapter 2 they're just going nuts and preaching and, and saving people left and right like how did all of that happen how did they turn into from, from frightened wimps into faithful warriors for god how did that happen number one they realized that jesus rose from the dead that's where it has to start and number two they were controlled by the Holy Spirit. And I'm here to tell you that the way in which we are able to overcome this world and share the message is because of the Holy Spirit. Seeing us through, carrying us through, no matter how hard life might be. So as we conclude, let's summarize what we've learned. When in dread, remember Jesus rose from the dead. And he will come near when you're quarantined with fear. If you leave with nothing else this morning, two words that I want you to take home with you. 
resurrection and repentance. The resurrection of Jesus demands there must be repentance. Jeff Ashley writes this. He says, the apostles witnessed the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. They claimed to have seen, touched, and heard from a man risen from the dead. The evangelical church does not like to talk about repentance, but unless we understand how bad we are, we will never understand how good God is. If Jesus has risen from the dead, then that historical fact is sufficient evidence that he is who he said he was. And if he is truly Lord and God, he has every right to claim absolute rule over every life. He has the right to tell you what to do. The good news of Christ's resurrection demands a response, a response of repentance. I have one last scripture that I want us to break down real quick this morning, and it comes from Acts chapter 17, verses 30 through 31. We read there, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. There was three responses from this crowd that Paul preached to. There were three responses, and I believe that they're the same three responses that many people today have. The first response that we find in verse 32 is that they, they rejected it. They rejected it. We read, now they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. They scoffed, they laughed at it, they jeered at it, they just pushed it off. We're going to have that in our life today. When you go trying to, to share the gospel of Jesus, people are just going to, they're going to reject it. They're going to make fun of you, and that's okay. There's a second response, though, that's found in the second part of verse 32. Some of them were curious. Look, look what we read there. But others said, we will hear you again about this. They had their appetites whetted. That they, 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 had, they had heard just a glimpse of it, and they wanted to know just a little bit more. And so they wanted to hear more. Listen, you're going to talk to people, and you're going to think that they rejected it. And this is why we're called to never just close the door on any relationship when it comes to Jesus. Because if you're living it out, one day they may come back to you and hey, um, remember when you were telling me about church? Well, I heard this, or I've been watching you, and can you tell me a little bit more? I, I have that where people are watching my message that I don't know that they're watching the message, and, and then they'll come up to me and they'll say, hey, Travis, can, can we talk about this? And I'm like, I didn't even know you were paying attention. Some, some are gonna be curious. There's a third group of people as well, though. Verse 34 says, but a few of them were convinced. Few of them were convinced. This is what we read. But some men joined him and believed. Many will reject. Some will be reluctant. And a few, not all, we're told a few, will receive. So what about you? Where do you find yourselves right now? 
What decision do you need to make right now when it comes to receiving salvation and repentance? If you've never accepted his salvation and repentance, you can do so today. And I'd love to talk to you about what that looks like, what that means. You can come to the back and, and we can talk. You, you can email me. You can send me a message. Call me. I'd love to talk to you about it. For some of you, you've already accepted Jesus, but maybe you've kind of just backslidden a little bit. You haven't really been attending like you should. You need prayer in your life. You need someone to talk to, someone that'll just listen. We would love to do so. The only way to be saved, though, the only way to be rescued from hell, because listen, that's where our sin sent us, sent, is going to send us. There's only two places. If we don't have Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we will be out of a relationship with him. Jesus makes it very clear that he is the only way. And we have to hold on to that. Jesus walked out of his grave so that you could walk in life. I have one last scripture I want to share with you, then I'm going to pray. And we have communion on the back tables on the side. I encourage you to get up and get that if you haven't already. Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Let's pray. Almighty Father, I thank you so much for allowing us to come into your house to worship you on this Resurrection Sunday. Father, we know that you are indeed, you have risen indeed. And Father, I just ask that you be with each person that is here today, Lord, that this message will resonate with them. Father, we can all use peace in our life no matter where we find ourselves in our walk with you. And Father, whatever decisions may need to be made this morning, that if they need to seek out counsel, if they need to seek out help, if they need to, to seek someone to pray with, that, that, that they, will, they will seek that out here today. We pray all of this in your son's most holy and precious name. Amen.